I'm going to throw our sound team for a loop here. Switching up mics on you. I'm a hand talker, so it might be a little bit difficult. But good morning, good morning. My name is Josh. If we haven't had the chance to meet, uh, welcome to you. Welcome to you if you're joining us online. It's been a good morning, hasn't it? Praise God. Well, before we jump into God's Word, I want to take a, just a minute, and we're just going to calm our hearts, we're going to calm our minds, and we're going to ask Holy Spirit that you would speak your truth over us here today. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our God. I say this in your great name, amen. Well, I am one of the pastors here at CRBC, and it's such a pleasure to worship with you. If you're new, we're, we're in our second week of our Advent series called Dwell. And so what we've been kind of focusing on is different aspects of the Christmas story and how Jesus has come to dwell both physically and spiritually. Now, I know I may not look it, but through my 20s, I was actually a bodybuilder. I know. Steve can attest to this. But I was very heavily into bodybuilding. You know, I was in school, I was in work, but I spent most of my time, probably about six to seven days a week, which is probably excessive, at the gym. Yeah. You know, I was, I was about 180 pounds. I mean, I'm not 180 pounds soaking wet today, but I used to be. And so I was very intentional with my workout schedule, but I was also very intentional about the foods I ate. You know, it had to be a lot of protein, a lot of carbs, I was, as the teens would say, permanently bulking. No room for cardio in this workout. <laughs> My wife, uh, when we were dating, she probably didn't believe me at the time, but I ate chicken and rice every day. And she would laugh until she'd come over and found out that we ate chicken and rice every day. But a few years ago, I was visiting my family, so I've got two brothers and a sister, and I was visiting my middle brother, and we we're having dinner, you know, all of our families are there, kids are running around, we're having dinner at the table, and steak, which is one of my favorites, hands up if you love the steak family, yeah, thank you. And so we're having steak dinner, and I started choking. Now, I don't know if you've ever choked before or been around someone choking, but it is a wild experience, let me tell you. So I started choking, and my youngest brother, who was a lifeguard, jumped up and started doing the Heimlich. Now, my wife, it's, it's funny now, we tell the story now, we laugh a little bit, but she didn't know my brothers too well. We'd gotten married fairly quickly, and so she just assumed that we were wrestling. <laughs> yeah, the middle of dinner, we jumped up and started wrestling. So she thought we were wrestling. It's chaotic. My sister-in-law's phone 911, and the dispatcher actually said, we cannot find your house. It was so remote. So thankfully, my brother did the Heimlich. The piece of steak did not come out. It went further in. So I could breathe, thankfully, so they rushed me to the hospital. And long story short, it was stuck in there, and they scoped it out and I'm here today, I'm alive. But what I didn't anticipate was the recovery. The recovery from that, and something that I have struggled with actually until this day, is that, that my body actually starts to feel like it's choking when I start to eat. 
And so for the first year after that incident, the only thing I ate was soup. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter how much soup you eat, you will never be full. <laughs> Ever. I ate every kind of soup on the market, but I found that nothing ever satisfied my hunger. Over time, I lost a lot of weight from that incident, but I also stopped going to the gym. That wasn't because of the choking, it was because of the kids. But the Christmas story is the story of the ultimate dwelling of God with his people in the person of Jesus Christ that he came to satisfy our spiritual longing that could only ever be found in God alone. Jesus came to dwell with us as the bread of life so that we would never be hungry again. Doesn't matter how much soup we eat or how much we try to satisfy our spiritual hunger outside of Jesus, we will never be full until we come to the bread of life. And so our passage today, if you have a Bible, you're going to open it up. We're going to be in John chapter 6. And I believe this passage is telling us three things. The first one is that the bread brings life. The second is that the bread brings assurance. And the third is that the bread being, brings peace. And so open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to be parked in for most of today. But before that, so put your little Bible marker in there. I want you to turn quickly to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And if you don't want to, that's okay. We've got it up on the screen for you. But I'm going to read Micah chapter 5. And this is going to give us some context. Micah 5, verse 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah... From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now, if you were a Jew living in the time of Jesus, you would probably know this verse really well, right? You would know the history, the suffering, the hurt, the pain of the people of Israel. And so this would be a pivotal verse that you would have clung to. You would have been waiting for your people to be liberated. You'd be waiting for the Messiah to come. Compared to Jerusalem, which was quite large, lots of big buildings, Bethlehem is characterized as small, almost insignificant, and out of seemingly littleness and weakness, God has perfected strength. You see, God chose Bethlehem for a reason. It wasn't a small, insignificant detail in God's plan, for God was fulfilling his covenant with David. He was fulfilling his covenant with his people because he is faithful. One commentator says it like this, the deliverer has come to this world in the person of Jesus. Like David, Jesus is the new shepherd of God's sheep, offering security from external enemies and a life of security. Jesus of the Davidic line is above all a gift of God to this world. 
to those who feel shut in on every side like the besieged citizens of Jerusalem who first heard these words, Jesus brings the prospect of deliverance and security. And that is the essence of the Christmas message, that God makes a gift to a besieged world through whom deliverance may come. The word Bethlehem means house of bread, which is such a beautiful picture because this is God who has given his son Jesus, who is the bread of life. For he was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, so that we would have abundant life. Jennifer Slattery, who's an author, said it like this, God sent the Prince of Peace to bring us peace. The bread of life birthed in the house of bread to give us life from now to eternity. Those who place faith in Jesus will be sustained by the bread of life for all eternity. And this is where we find ourselves today. In our passage in John chapter 6, you know, a few verses up from where we are, Jesus has recently fed over 5,000 people. This is the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. The people saw this. And they followed Jesus, and maybe it's because they were still hungry, right? That could have been what drove them. But Jesus knows. He knows their physical and their spiritual condition. He knows that his purpose is not to merely feed them physically. And so look with me in John 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus, what do you mean? What do you mean that I'm never going to hunger? What do you mean that I'm never going to thirst? And what he's saying is that the things in this world will never satisfy us. Sure, they they might make it feel good for a little bit, right? We try to chase those relationships. We try to chase those careers. Try to chase the perfect sex life. But Jesus is saying that they might bring happiness for a little bit but they'll never satisfy you because they will always fail. Always. The things that we pursue in this life will always leave us wanting more. Always. It's always going to be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But Jesus wants you to be satisfied. Jesus wants you to find satisfaction in him and him alone, and he provides all that you need. The only thing that he is asking is that you would come to him, that you would believe in him, because God was active. 
God was not merely active, you know, with Moses providing manna. We remember that story? The Israelites, they come out of Egypt, and they're hungry, and they say, why, God? It was better. It was better in Egypt, because we had food. And so God provides. And in this story, this was God giving them the true bread from heaven. He was with Moses, he was with his disciples, and Jesus continues to dwell among us now, offering us satisfaction. Saying that we can be satisfied today. So my question is this. As we approach this Christmas season, are you tired of feeling unfulfilled? Are you tired of feeling let down about the false expectations that we we build up around now? Jared Wilson, in his book, 25 Gifts of Grace, I love the way he says this. He says, because many of us will inevitably feel let down by an insufficient joy in the festivities. We get caught up in the busyness of preparations. And before we know it, the presents are unwrapped and the trash litters the floor. There's dishes to wash and the same old songs and movies don't quite bring the rush of nostalgia that we're all hoping for. And we end up tired and disappointed. Jesus offers us full satisfaction. He offers us things to be free from this world. He's asking that we would come to him. The bread brings life. But the bread also brings assurance. Look with me in our passage in verses 36 to 38. It says, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Powerful words. Powerful words, and for these people, he's already proven himself. I mean, it's not like the disciples were carrying loads of fish and bread up the mountain. No, Jesus did a miracle. They saw it. Yet, they did not believe. And I know that we can read these passages. We kind of look down our nose a little bit at them. We go, how, how could have you been so blind? How could have you been so foolish? But I do the same thing in my life. Jesus, I've, I've read about you. I've experienced you. But sometimes I come and I go, there's no way. 
Jesus, there's just no way that you can save my family who's far from you. Jesus, there's just no way that you can heal my body. Jesus, there's just no way that you can deliver me from this addiction in my life. That you can deliver me from this difficult situation. I always get memories for my photos every year. And it was December 17th, 2017 that kind of changed our life. And Leanne was pregnant with Zoe, and we're doing our usual checkup, seeing our midwife. And so we go in, she takes her blood pressure, and she pauses. Now, if you've ever been in a doctor's office and they pause, a little cause for alarm. You know, your heart skips a beat. You go, okay, what's coming? She pauses, waits a moment, takes her blood pressure again. She goes, okay, I think we should go to the hospital. Okay, guess we're going to the hospital. So we get to the hospital, they rush us in, they get us into a room, and they start running all these tests. And they found some concerning things with Leanne. What would inevitably preeclampsia they found in her blood work. And so we sat in that hospital room, and they basically prepared us for the worst. They ran down this long list of things that could have happened, that could happen, from brain development, blindness, to the very last one being that mom and baby might not make it. And I remember sitting in that hospital room saying, Jesus, there's no way. Jesus, I've seen you work in my life. I've seen and experienced you in amazing ways. But in that moment, I didn't believe you were in control. I did not believe you were who you said you were. I don't know about you, but in moments like that, I come back to this passage in Mark. And the story is that the disciples are trying to deliver a demon from a young boy. And so they can't, and so they bring the boy to Jesus. And Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And the father says, since birth. And Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And then the Father says this, I believe, help my unbelief. I've got a photo for you because Steve brought photos last week, so I feel like I have to as well. <laughs> but Zoe was born, she was born early, not as early but she had in utero growth, so she was three pounds when she was born. But you'd never know, looking at her today. So the Lord was very gracious uh, for us. Thankfully, later in our passage, Jesus says this, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. 
even in those moments of unbelief, in those moments of doubting, Jesus will not cast us out. Because he has come to do the will of the Father. And praise God that our salvation does not depend on us, because if it did, I would have been cast out long ago. Martin Luther says this, The Holy Spirit is no skeptic. He has written neither doubt nor mere opinion into our hearts, but rather solid assurances, which are more sure and solid than all experience and even life itself. Amen. Jesus, who is the bread of life, who was born in the house of bread, has come to give you and me full assurance that we are his. That we are his and he will never cast us out. Our sermon series is titled Dwell. And the word dwell means to live securely. And I believe that is the Christmas story, that our Savior came to dwell with us so that we would live securely with him. That we do not have to question or doubt where we stand before God because of Jesus' life, his death, and resurrection. We can come before the throne. We can come to him and find peace. This brings us to our final point, that the bread brings peace. Look with me, John chapter 6, verse 39. It says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the will of the Father, that we would be given to Jesus and that he would lose nothing. That is where we find our peace. We find peace knowing that it is the Father's will that we would be given to him, that you are his and you are given eternal life. This is God's sovereign will at work, that since the beginning of time, the incarnation of Jesus was not plan B. Right? There was no scramble trying to figure out what to do after Adam and Eve disobeyed. This was God's plan. This was God's will. You can have peace today. You can find peace in Jesus because it's the Father's will that whoever looks on the Son would be his, would be secured, would be assured and even if we pass in this life, that we would be raised on that last day. This peace comes, as Matt Chandler says, 
not from a six pound, eight ounce baby boy. It comes from King Jesus enthroned on high. It was Billy Graham who said, Christ alone can bring lasting peace. Peace with God and peace within our hearts. Jesus promises us this peace. He promises this peace in our hearts, but we know in this world there's sometimes difficult circumstance. That peace does not always mean we can have it in our circumstance right here, right now. And what I love about Jared Wilson, he says this. In other words, the first advent does not bring peace upon the earth in the sense of eradicating wars, overturning injustice, solving poverty, squelching envy and rivalry, and the like. What it does bring, those stuck in the tragic brokenness of all those things, is the spiritual peace of justification before God. Jesus does not promise that earth will be heaven before his second coming, but he does promise that the kingdom of heaven can fill our hearts with peace before then. Amen. Our hearts can have this peace. Your heart can have this peace, not only in this Christmas season, but from here on out until the day Jesus calls you home or he comes again. And that's what we are waiting for. The season of Advent is a season of waiting for the King to come again. For him to finally rid this world of sickness and death, of injustice and pain. So if you are here this morning and you have not experienced the life, the assurance, and the peace of our King Jesus, then please come speak to myself or any one of our staff members because we would love to walk you through that. In a moment, I'm going to invite the worship team up and the prayer teams, and we have this great group of prayer warriors here at the church. They love to pray with you. They love to pray for you. They love to pray over you. And so if you need prayer for something going on in your life, we've got two groups up in the front. We've got one in the back. But before we head into our last song, I have a few questions for us to reflect on. And we're going to spend some time in this today. My first one is this. Have you come to the heavenly bread to experience the eternal life he gives you? Have you come before King Jesus? Are you tired of chasing the things in this world, of being left hungry? Because Jesus wants more for you. He wants you to be satisfied. Number two, 
Are you wrestling with doubt? Are you wrestling with questions and unbelief in moments? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak truth over you today. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak from our passage that Jesus will never cast you out. And number three, what does it look like to have peace in this season? I know we're heading into Christmas, but Jesus wants more. He wants you to experience peace beyond this season because we are secured in him, that we have life with him and we can have peace in our hearts. We're going to spend a few moments just asking the Holy Spirit to speak. I'll invite the prayer teams forward. They can come up. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say today? What are the things that we've been chasing, trying to satisfy ourselves? Jesus, let us come before you. I want to close our time together with this quote from Daryl Johnson, who is a gem in our time. He pastors a local church in Vancouver. And he says this, Christmas becomes a reality in our life when, but not only when, we receive the Son of God. The reason Christmas has not yet fulfilled all it was supposed to all the glory we sing about in the carols is because so few people have received the Son. Even so few who sit in church week after week. That sounds simplistic, I know, but it is the way it is. We are still slaves to our fallen nature until the Son sets us free and makes us children of God. So what can we do about all of the brokenness around us? We can bring our hurting world the good news, the Christmas news. The Son has come. He is our Redeemer, and He can set you and me free. He can. Let's give Him a chance. He can fill you and me with new life. He can. Let's give Him a chance.